The following sermon is by Manny Alaniz, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel in Northwest San Antonio, Texas. For more information, for prayer, or to support us financially, please visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. True joy comes only through Jesus Christ. Let us prepare our hearts to receive God's truth, which comes through the preaching of his word. Let us pray together. O oh, gracious and loving Father, you are the breath of life. Come sweep through us. Revive this church. Revive us with life and power. O oh, breath, breath of life. Come cleanse and renew us at this very moment. Revive us, O Lord, for the zeal is abating while the harvest fields are vast and white. Revive us, O Lord, the world awaits. Father, equip us, equip this church to the light of the word, of thy word. In Christ we pray, amen. Please be seated. Do you know what condition reflex is? Conditioned reflex. Have you ever heard of that? Conditioned reflex is a stimulus. It's a stimulus which is associated with another stimulus where a response is then generated. For example, when I was young, very young, I was a child, I remember all the many times that my dad would have a stomach ache, a stomach problem. He'd have one of those burning sensations in his stomach. And all of, a lot, many of us can relate to this, if not all of us can relate to it. It's that burning sensation that makes your stomach feel like it's on fire, heartburn, if you will. And usually caused by something we ate mixed with stress and anxiety. Combine those with the worries of the world and the problems that come from living life. Now, every time my dad had these stomach problems, he would always ask my mom for some saladete, saladete, and it's, it's probably slang, it's Spanish. But that's what he would ask for. Uh, it, uh, Salarete is a, is, is a baking soda concoction. It, you would get a, a glass of water and add some baking soda to it, stir it up. Now you're shaking your head. Okay, so you've used it before. <laughs> stir it up. And my dad would drink it all up. That certainly helped him with his sour stomach. Salarete was my dad's con condition, conditioned reflex. Was my dad's conditioned reflex. The, the baking soda or, or, or the, the sodium bicarbonate helps neutralize the sour stomach, the acid, if you will, in, the, in our stomachs that, that causes that. Well, in much the same way, prayer is a conditioned reflex. 
that helps us neutralize the evils of our souls when we're in need. Our conditioned reflex must be prayer, must be prayer. Every single time, we must pray. We must ask, seek, and knock on God's door with prayer. In fact, prayer should be used as a preventative for all the evils, for the attacks on our souls. Prayer will bring us peace. It will bring peace to our hearts. Now, we as Christians know that. We, we as Christians know that we're called to pray. We, all those who are part of God's church, know that we are engaged in a spiritual battle. We are engaged in a spiritual battle, and it's constant. The problem that many of us have believing in the power of prayer is that is the same problem that a theologian by the name of Leonard Ravenhill wrote about. We believe in the power of prayer to the point of inconvenience. We believe in prayer to the point of inconvenience, and then we do what? Then we quit. We get praying. When we're inconvenienced, we don't pray. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we pray when we think we need to pray or when we remember to pray and we're at a convenient place to play, to pray. We pray earnestly when we have a dire need for prayer. And then when that dire need is over with, we don't we quit praying. So we pray again when we when it is convenient for us to pray. We do not make prayer. Prayer is not a priority in our lives. So then, for many of us, for, for many people, prayer is not, get ready, prayer is not the preparation against spiritual warfare. Prayer is the battle. Prayer is our battle for many of us. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we battle to pray. We battle to continue to praise God the way God calls us to pray, continuously. Paul talks about praying without ceasing, continuous prayers. And we've talked about prayer before. Christ has preached on that in the Sermon on the Mount before. Prayer. We pray, or our battle is with prayer and making prayer a priority in our life. Listen. We communicate with God through prayer. And if you're in Christ, how do you talk to him? Or do you only talk to him sometimes? Again, prayer for many of us is the battle. Not the spiritual warfare. Prayer is the battle. And then we get attacked. We're constantly under attack by Satan and his minion. So now, as we get ready to go forth 
in this world, as we confront the difficulties and hardships of life with the major obstacles that we're faced with, the major obstacles in our lives, such as diseases, illnesses, family struggles, depression, alcoholism, and even death, and there are so many more. Again, prayer is not the preparation for that. For many of us, prayer has become the battle. We need to, we don't need to be battling prayer, in other words. Prayer should be first and foremost, front and center, because that is how we walk with Christ. That's how we commune with the Lord. Effective and fervent prayer. The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous person can and does change things. That's the Word of God. That's found in James chapter 5, verse 16. Yes, we know that as Christians. We know God's sovereign over all everything. God is sovereign. We know that. We know that God knows the beginning from the end. He's all-knowing. And that's absolute truth. But sometimes we become what some people call hyper-Calvinist. Hyper-Calvinist. That's the extreme. And we think, well, if God knows everything, why do we need to pray? If God knows everything, well, our prayers must be ineffective, uh, ineffective right? He knows everything. That's hyper. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture commands us to pray. See, sometimes we want to put God, we want to wrap our mind around what God is telling us to do. But our minds are finite. They're limited. They cannot, they cannot fathom the, all the, the endless infinity of God himself and what he requires of us. And he requires us to pray. He requires us to pray. It says in the Bible, you do not have because you do not ask. Again, found in James chapter 4, verse 3. The Lord God Almighty uses prayer. God uses prayer as it means to an end, to his end. God uses your prayers as a, means, as a means to his end. So think about that for a second. Okay, if that is true and God knows everything, yes. But he says, I want you to pray. No, I command you to pray. Well, what if you don't pray? What will happen? What if you don't pray? And you're in a major crisis, you just don't pray. Well, you will get the results of your don't pray, okay? But what if you do pray? Well, you will get the results of prayer because it's God's means to obtaining the end, the end result of what he wants. Prayer, your prayers, our prayers are a part of God's sovereignty. See, that's too big for us to understand. It is. It's too big. You mean to tell me I can change things? in eternity, so to speak. God is telling us that. 
But it's 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 much too big for us to grasp. It is. But he's commanding us to do it. And, and, and in that, he's sovereign. He already knew it. And in the don't pray, he already knew it. I mean, it's just too much, right? And it's what Isaiah chapter 55 says. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. God goes on to say, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We must trust God. We must trust him when he calls us, when he commands us to pray. I mean, again, how do you communicate to your God, to your Father, if you're not praying? Oh, he knows what's going on. He'll take care of me. Well, he does take care of you. And, and we talked about this last week. He provides for your essential needs. But what about all the blessings he wants to shower you with? What, what if he was just to give you those blessings without you even asking for them? How would you react to that? You wouldn't care. You would think that you got them on your own. See, if you prayed and he blessed you, you know, hey, that's him. And you go right back to him and say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you. Prayer, the power of prayer. We need to remember the power of prayer. So that begs the question for a lot of people. It comes to, it comes to our mind. It might come to your mind already. Does God hear everyone's prayer? Does God hear everyone's prayer? Careful now. <laughs> of course God hears everything, okay? He's God, all right? All right, he's God. Know that. But see, that's what Jesus is talking about in our passage. Who is Jesus preaching to? To whom? To, to, so who is, who is his audience? Well, his audience is a bunch of people that have gathered and are just kind of li listening in. But he's gone up this mount, and, and, his, and his disciples have followed him. And he started preaching this sermon to them. He's preaching to his disciples. He's preaching to you and I here even today. He's directing these words to them, not to the world. That's scary. That is scary. It is scary to think about that he's directing those words to them. In other words, God chooses not to hear the prayers of a wicked person, the prayers of an infidel. The Lord, according to this Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Who is righteous? Are you righteous? Yes, you are. You feel righteous? You are. You're in Christ. You are among the chosen. You are among the righteous. And God hears your prayer. See, the atheist. What about an atheist? Well, an atheist is self-centered. He doesn't pray. He or she doesn't pray. 
And those who are from other religions, they worship other idols. Well, they're praying to their idols. Ah, but the ones, the ones who God has opened their hearts and minds to receive him, the ones, those are sinners, right? Those are, oh, that's what we were, that's what we are, forgiven sinners. Those are the ones that turn to God in repentance and hears their prayers. It's, it's complicated, right? It is hard. We're trying to wrap our mind around this because of God and who he is. The prayers of the infidel, the prayers of a wicked person, are, are distasteful in the in, in the in the in the ears of God. God doesn't want to hear it. They doesn't want it, he doesn't even want it. he's not listening to it. But to his children, to his children, the Father is listening to their prayers. Why don't we pray? Why don't we talk to him? That's what Jesus is getting at. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he's getting into in our text today. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to the poor in spirit. Remember at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, the poor in spirit? See, the self-satisfied, they're satisfied in who they are, just satisfied in themselves. Well. They don't want to pray. And the self-sufficient who think, hey, we, I, I'm the one that did everything. I'm the one that takes care of myself. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anybody else. They don't need to pray. And the self-righteous, the self-righteous person, the wicked Pharisees, the wicked Pharisees cannot pray. So now, here's the critical point. The critical issue of our passage today that we must not overlook is this. Christ emphasizes, Christ's emphasis, rather, Christ's emphasis is on the Father's love, the Father's love for us, his love for us, his children. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that so amazing to hear that? And, and to believe it, because that's what Christ is talking about. That's what he's getting to in this passage, and he needs, we need this now, right? It's breathtaking to try to behold how, the, how much the Father loves us and how he is always ready to give what his children are asking for, to how, how he's ready to give us the good things that his children want. Ready to do it. And we're ready. So we're called to ask. We're called to ask, seek, and knock through prayer. That's what Christ is getting into. Our passage can be broken down into three parts, and we'll go through them quickly. The three parts are, are grace needed, grace requested and given, and grace in action. In regards to grace needed, we start, uh, since the very start of the, the Sermon on the Mount, remember everything we've learned up to this point. Jesus has been bombarding his disciples. He's been bombarding us with un, 
compromising demands. Right? He has been. He forbids anger, wicked anger. He forbids lust, even in your mind. He commands that we keep every word of Holy Scripture, that we give freely to those who want to borrow from us. Jesus tells us to let our light shine before others that they may know and they may see our good deeds and praise our Heavenly Father by our good deeds, by our good works. Our Lord commands us, here it comes, our Lord commands us to be perfect, to be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. These are the standards of God's people, the standards that we're being called to. Wow, wow. Here, here on earth. Theologian Daniel Doriani is right when he says, the breadth and depth of this standard would lead us to despair. Despair, yeah. Depression, despair. If Jesus does not pause and give us encouragement, that's what he's doing in our text. Jesus is stopping to give us encouragement. Our Lord is bringing encouragement. He's calling us to come to the throne of grace. In our desperation and in, 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 in being bombarded with all these things that Christ wants us to do, and then and, and that in, in packaged with just the things you're going through right now in this at this very moment is overwhelming. It leads us to despair, it leads us to depression. And Jesus is saying, Come, come to the throne of grace. God's grace is never ending. Jesus is saying to be able to do the things that God commands us to do as his people, we need grace. We need his grace. We need his grace. That's the only way we can do it. We cannot do it otherwise. We're always repenting. That's good. And believing. And we go forth because of his grace. We pray for his grace. We believe that he is giving us his grace because he is giving us his grace. You're not going to get a special delivery truck bringing his grace. Well, it might come like that. It might, might not, okay? But no, his grace is just going to be given to you, and you believe it, and you trust in him. But Jesus is calling us to come to the throne of grace through prayer. Through prayer. And, he said, and he's telling us that in our passage today. He uses the words ask, seek, and knock. The yeah, very first word that he uses is ask. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. And the last word in verse 11 that he uses reference this. He says, your father, your heavenly father, your father who is in heaven will give good things to those who, what? Ask. Ask. Oh, man, but I, 
you know, I just, I hadn't been, you know, I, I'm just not good at prayer. I just can't do it. I just, I forget sometimes. And I, we have all these excuses, right? We make up all these good excuses instead of just stopping and doing and making it a habit, making it, taking the time. It's a discipline. We talk about fasting, how fasting is a discipline. Prayer is another discipline that we have to undertake, that we have to make ourselves do so that we can be, so that we can receive all the treasures that are that have been stored up in heaven just to give you the good things that God wants to give you for the good life that he wants you to live. We only need to ask the Father anything through prayer, through prayer. Jesus wants us to ask, and he wants us to ask continually. And how do we know that? Well, we know that because in the Greek, the Greek word, these verbs, these are verbs, right? Ask, seek, knock, actions, verbs. Well, they're in the uh, present imperative, okay? The present imperative is, is uh, in, in, they're in the present imperative in the Greek, meaning the present means continual. At that moment, right now, right now, pray. Okay, you know what, a little while from now, pray again. I mean, you know, it's like it's present at that moment. That's the present imperative. What's an imperative? An imperative is an authoritative command. Command. The present imperative, pray continuously all the time throughout your life for the rest of your life. And we'll be praying in heaven. Always. We'll feel his presence and we'll just be overjoyed. We'll be singing praises to him. Always, and we can do that now. We can do that today. Jesus is placing the emphasis on God, God who hears our prayer, not the person who's asking. He's putting the emphasis on God. But you need to pray, pray to God. God is ready to give you, to bless you, to respond to your prayers. Does God? Answer every prayer. And we've talked about this before. Yes, he does. Every prayer of a righteous person, that's you. Every prayer, the answer is every one of them. It could be no. And you know what? That's the right answer. We may not think so, but we don't know the future. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's happening next. If God answered yes to every prayer that we made, we're going to get into big trouble. We, we don't know what kind of consequences we're getting into. We just say, God, give us this. And he gave it to if He gives it to us. And we get into this other big old buy, bigger than we've ever expected. God knows what you need. He knows the good things that you need. And he knows sometimes we may ask for something not knowing the consequence of what we're asking for. So he says, what? No. He answers every prayer. Praise him. Praise God. What do you do when God answers no to your prayer. You get upset. You get depressed. You get down. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's normal. But you thank him. You say, Amen. Trust you. So you can ask him the question. Right then, ask him, what do you want me to learn from this? What can I learn? How can I get better? How can my walk with you, Lord, get better with the no that you gave me here? Why is this going on? Why is this trial happening? How can I learn from it? What do you want me to know? 
What is going on that I'm not aware of? There's a lot of stuff going on. That's why prayer is like the way it is. It's continuous. Jesus says, ask. Ask is a general term. In this context, he means ask God. Ask God in prayer. He says, seek. This implies that we may not know exactly what we're looking for or precisely how to pray for what we're looking for. Seek. Like a child. While the mother, say the mother, the child, or the grandma is close at hand, and the child sees the mother, hey, I'm okay. Just talk about the child. But what if that mother or the grandma goes to another room or goes, just disappears? This child's not looking, seeking for the mom. Makes haste to find the mom. When we seek for God, we will find him. That's what we're told. That's a promise. Seek him, and we will find him. And we discover what we should desire. Seek after him. Seek. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Knock. Knock implies that we want something. Something that is inaccessible, inaccessible to us, that we can't get to. We try and fail to obtain something, to open a door. We cannot, but God can and will. Knock. If it's right, the door will be open. Trust him. Trust him. Hey, what if that door is delayed in opening? You're going to give up, right? You're going to say, that's why it's not convenient for me to pray. He never answers my prayer. He's not ever listening to me. He's listening. Knock. Seek him. Ask him. Martin Luther has a good quote about this. He says that God knows that we are timid and shy, that we feel unworthy to present our, to present our needs to him. Now think about that. We got this little bitty need. Now, this need is big for us. Like it's encompassing the, our whole world. But for God, it's, we think, well, that for God, that's nothing. That's what we think. And God knows that. We think that God is so great, and he is, and we are so tiny, and we are, that we do not dare to pray. Too big. That is why Christ wants to remove our doubts and to have us go ahead confidently and boldly, confidently and boldly in prayer. Have you ever said a bold prayer? I mean, boldly asking for something. Now, sometimes we think we're so we got we're humble. Now we, I mean, we should we're reverent. We, we approach him in reverence. I mean, we're talking to the Almighty. But we think I can't ask him for that. That's what Martin Luther's talking about. Of course you can. You you could be bold in prayer. If somebody's sick and, and it's terminal, you can be bold to say, God, heal this person. Heal this person. Bring them back to full health. What's wrong with that prayer? Oh, we start thinking. This hyper-Calvinist starts thinking, yeah, but God knows the end from the beginning. He knows the beginning from the end. You know, this guy is destined to die, I guess. 
No, no, no. I don't. Hey, look, if you think like that, don't pray for me because your your prayers are limited. I want the person who's going to pray boldly and confidently for me. Wouldn't you want to do that? God is the one that's going to answer this prayer. It's interesting that Jesus concludes uh, his his form of argument. The way he concludes is. From the from the lesser to the greater, right? He says that even that if even sinful evil, you who are evil, you who are evil. Now notice that I want you to to, to note the differentiation that Jesus makes here. He says you who are evil. He didn't say we who are evil. He is not evil. He is God. So he's telling us you who are evil. So that's encompassing all of us because we're all there. But he says, even if sinful human, if even sinful or evil humans, fathers, humans, give good gifts to their children when asked, then a wise and good Lord, that's the greater, how much more will he give good gifts to his children who ask? And he's saying, look, you evil people, you give your children when they ask for bread and, and when they ask for a fish, right, a stone. You don't give them a stone, do you? You don't give them, when they ask for food, a fish, you don't give them, what, a, a serpent. By the way, there's some, in the Sea of Galilee, I'm told that there's some fish that look like serpents, but that could have been something that was going on there, but but you don't give them something like that. You're you, you evil person. Give your children what they need. Well, how much more? God, your heavenly Father, will give you good things, good things, if you just ask Him for it. Ask Him. When we ask in a prayer like that. It is very revealing. It, it is very, it, it makes you respond. You're not going to ask something boldly and confidently and then go back to your own way of sinning. You're going to be going, I believe in him. He's everything to me. He is my only hope. And you ask, you pray, and just expect to be blessed. That changes a person changes you and me. It changes us. The last part is the, the you. What you need to hear is verse 12. This is God's grace in action. God's grace in action through his children. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. So this is the law and the prophets. Now, many people refer to this as the golden rule. Even people that aren't religious talk about the golden rule and use that. And, and, and why not? It, it talks about if you're going to be so blessed, if you were living a life that's so blessed and that you belong to the king of glory, you, you are the, a child of God, wouldn't you treat people better? If you want someone else to treat you with respect, you're going to treat them with respect. Even before anything starts, you're going to treat them with respect. You're not going to go hold them up. You're not going to curse them out. You're going to treat them the way you would want to be treated. Ahead of time, 
before they even do anything, you're tree, you're reflecting your father. You're reflecting the privileged life that you're living as a child of God. And so you're living grace, grace in action. Your con conditioned reflex must be to saturate yourself in prayer. Even more than a conditioned reflex, you can do, you can use it as preventative. You pray, we pray all the time. Why don't we do that? Prayer is God's anointed means for obtaining what we need. Through prayer, everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ is welcome to the to God's throne of grace. Let us pray together. You've been listening to Manny Alanese, pastor at St. Stephen's Chapel. For more information about our church, visit our website at ststephenschapel.org or call us at 210-241-5969. Please join us prayerfully and financially as we seek to glorify God by preaching His Word and spreading the gospel of grace in boldness and selflessness.